All right, good evening. Hosting my uh, normal drive home talk, but this day of the week, every Wednesday, I'm always going home a little bit later. I have a class that I attend in the evening, and so definitely get out of here a little bit later. So uh, I was sitting here trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to talk about, and we were just, I was looking through my education discussions and talks and saw that there was uh, kind of a gap talking specifically about the idea that's been presented for the United States to extend uh, public education all the way from where it currently ends at the, uh, the 12th grade and you graduate from high school, extending it all the way to uh, university, including basically a bachelor's degree. There's pretty much, it's, that's kind of like the standard plan that's presented uh, in most cases right now. I don't, I don't think it's going through the current budget plan, but I, I need to look that up and actually understand a little bit more. If anybody already knows that, feel free to bring that to the table and talk about it a little bit. But the way that's presented, it often only mentions university and bachelor's degree specifically, and frequently leaves out programs for vocational schools um, and technical schools where you could earn certifications or um, other kinds of, you know, very formally uh, industry recognized uh, training that would allow you to then have a profession and earn more than just the average high school graduate. So kind of wanted the conversation tonight for anybody who wants to join in and talk uh, to be about whether or not the, it's okay to push for college as the, the, the free education extension. Should, should it not be talked about anything beyond high school? Uh, is, there, is there room to talk about not even having some kind of a public education system, but instead focusing entirely on that education system being uh, a private thing that is then managed for people to have access to something to that effect? I think, I think vouchers is one of the common ones. The school itself isn't paid for but you can choose how to pay for it if you qualify and then we talk a lot of times on the on the podcast about things being like uh metrics based or or income based uh cronus has this really great term for it and i I always forget exactly what what term he uses where uh you have to be using your income you have to be qualified to to have access to some of these programs where instead it should just be a program that's available and and happened like being required to be under a certain income in, in order to access certain programs uh does it does a bunch of things under or over or all these other things it kind of limits it if instead you could build the program so that it was properly managed to actually actually like meet the needs of everyone it would it would be a better designed system so i know that the intentions there are generally good but it's then usually the implementation that is what causes the problem with those kinds of um, income and metrics-based approval types of systems. They, they generally end up marginalizing people in some way. And that's usually through people using the system in a way it wasn't originally intended for. So is there anybody out there who wants to talk about uh, attending university and how much that costs to get a bachelor's degree? Um, is there anything actually that's free, right? So we, I've definitely heard and said the thing. There's no such thing as free lunch. So there's always, there's always someone who's paying for it. So free college is not free college. Uh, there is a tuition associated to any of those universities and those, those, those tuitions need to be paid. So they get paid somehow. And in this concept, it would be they get paid by the government uh, using tax funds. Right. So 
couple of things I would see would probably happen. Tuitions for those schools would probably go up because they know that they have the ability to charge more and have that paid because it's a system payment. Uh, it's something that's for sure going guaranteed to be paid. Uh, that's that's usually what kind of happens in those scenarios. And then the other would be that um, taxes would have to go up in order to pay for this new expense. If they don't, then we just do more of what uh, could be perceived as what's going on right now, which is just continuing to take out, um, take on greater debt, even more and more debt for the government itself, uh, without the ability to entirely pay back uh, what's what's being spent, including these kinds of programs, which would take care of paying for college. I know I heard towards the end of the election cycle last year that up to like up to $50,000, I think, worth of student loans could even be forgiven for anyone who still has those loans uh, for programs that were put into place. I think it was uh, President Biden that presented this kind of a concept during his campaign. Uh, I, I don't know if that's still a part of the plan or if that's currently in the budget that's going out there. It's definitely something I'd want to, I want to read about and look into. I haven't had much free time to be able to read up on the current uh, budget proposal but I'd love it if someone actually has access to it and or has read it already or could point to a, a you know a palatable, a manageable article that kind of breaks down some of the numbers, uh, especially if a, a free college for all program is actually included in it. So I don't know who's all still here who joined this talk. Uh, for those who did, what's the, what is it about the idea of a title of free college for all that actually draws your interest? Is there something about the extension of regular public education that, that you think would be something that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I'm open to listening to both sides of this. That's kind of how our podcast works. We definitely are open for discussion on all of the topics. I am driving kind of late at night, so I'm going to go ahead and crack open an energy drink. And so you're going to hear that. Got to make it my, my kind of long drive home. And I always, while driving home, try to start up a talk to see if anybody wants to join in and talk a little bit about a topic I am interested in or have a little bit of experience with and would love to, it's always would love to learn more about. So I'm a perpetual learner. It's a big part of what I like to do. I may actually tap and share this talk here in a second to see if I can get anybody else to join. Wait till I can safely come to a stop and then actually share the discussion. It's, uh, it's quite dark out here in the desert, although there is a pretty bright amount of moonlight showing. Um, driving across the desert to Southern, Southern California. Wanted to talk about education and what it is that it would mean if we implemented a free college for all kind of system. Anybody out there in the education system or part of a university and has an opinion or a position or a concept of what they think would happen to their university and enrollment and other things like other things associated with this concept, that would be a really cool angle to take on this too is what do you think would happen to the universities themselves um, as they, if they approved this kind of a program where you could 
go straight from high school to certain universities without needing to uh, pay tuition yourself or take out loans to pay that tuition. Should it apply only to certain levels of schools? What if it's only community colleges? Would it be state colleges? Do we think there's any possible way it would extend to the point where you could pay enough tuition to make it into an Ivy League school if you got approved? That I can't see that happening, Ivy League making it into this program. State colleges, some of them are very expensive as well. Would that, would like a dollar amount or a cap be put on it per tuition, like per, per quarter hour or per semester hour rather? If they put that kind of a cap on it and say you can go to state schools, but none of the state schools um, tuition amounts like meet that, that amount, is it actually a system that's effective? I would say no. Um, what, I, what I would also see is I would, I would see inherently probably an opportunity for it to be a system that would prove, prove the corruption of those kinds of programs being even put into place. So if you build a system out that has a tuition amount that you say you can go to state colleges, but no state colleges tuition amounts qualify to meet into the program, but somehow the program still keeps spending the money, somebody's getting that money. Money's going somewhere, so I can imagine that being something that could be looked into with these kinds of programs. Um, let's see what else we go along with this. I mean, on a personal level, right? So this is one of the things that's a problem with discussing things that are related to social programs or politics. On a personal level, if someone could tell me tomorrow that I would no longer have any any student debt associated with the master's degree that I earned, even while using tuition assistance, I still had to take on some debt. Uh, if someone could just wave a wand and absolve me of that, that'd be great. It'd be cool to, to not have to pay pay those loans back, right? That's something any individual person would obviously agree with. I would say the same thing about my cars. If tomorrow tomorrow someone said, like, hey, I'm just going to wave this wand. Don't you worry about it. Your your car note is paid off. You'll have your title you know, in a little while. It's just going to be sent to you. Car is paid off. You no longer have to make that car payment. No longer need to pay for for an RV or for a motorcycle or for a ski, like uh, jet skis, whatever, whatever your like other thing that you have a loan on, just gone. You just don't have to worry about it anymore. That'd be cool. I mean, everybody got to say like, oh, it'd be nice to not have to deal with those things. But it also removes um, our obligation to decisions that we made. Like I made a choice to buy this truck specifically that I'm driving right now and talking to you with. So it's, it's my responsibility to also pay for that truck. Now, was the price of this truck way over what it probably should have been because truck prices went insanely high due to COVID and, and, and the limitations for the abilities for production. And, and now with shortfalls for chips, I can just imagine that they're getting even more expensive. Yeah, yeah. Price is probably too high for a truck. But I just moved back from Japan. We didn't have any vehicles. We needed to buy vehicles. Uh, we knew we wanted to get an RV so we could travel during COVID and my daughter has asthma, so we didn't want to be on airplanes or needing to go into public restrooms. So we knew an RV was definitely a thing on the list of stuff we were going to need to get in order to travel, to take and see family, to oh, excuse me, to go and take my son to college. So we knew we were going to need to do those things. So it meant we needed a truck, and trucks were expensive. So it just meant you know figuring out how to make that work. And but that's a decision that I made, and I have an obligation based on that. What do we teach our society by making decisions that absolve them of the responsibility for the decisions that they make? 
do we raise a do we raise a, a society that sees no responsibility for their own actions that sees that it's always someone else's responsibility for the situations that they're in and for the outcomes of the decisions that they make do they even recognize that their decisions that they made or do they just continue to think that these are all external actions that I am simply being forced to follow along with. Uh, that's a, I mean, that's a whole different take on it that I hadn't really thought about, but it's easy, an easy way to like connect those dots. It's definitely something that makes a lot of sense. I could see a program like this, especially the idea of absolving, just absolving prior student loans, just remove those as something that would definitely start making people think like, well, what other things like I just did, what other things, should I see if I can get someone to agree to, to pay off and not, not, not require me to pay for. Um, so another aspect of this, this was kind of a campaign promise concept. So someone who goes on a campaign trail and makes promises to constituents to try to get votes. Uh, a lot of times, if you look back through history upon like of every, of almost every single presidential election in the United States, Lots of promises are made that are concepts that will excite people and will bring about discussion and concepts. And like, maybe this is a thing we should do. It sounds like a great promise. You know, it's a thing that people will get something out of this campaign. If you vote for me, this is what I'm going to get you, right? You personally. Um, but the reality is that actually getting those kinds of programs through the government is not easy. And often leaves uh, leaves huge scars in its wake, either breakdowns in the actual system that's supposed to be managing uh, the country and how decisions are supposed to be made in a slow and deliberate manner and make sure that they actually benefit everyone. So you you drag this concept through Congress and the, the actions that are taken by people along that path change the way the system works and move it from a deliberate system into a responsive system. And it's supposed to be a balance of both. There's supposed to be responsive elements and everyone can convince those little bit slower moving elements. If it's a serious topic, it might take time, but the problem is, is society doesn't realistically shift in total uh, like responsibility and interactions with each other drastically in short periods of time. There are slow methodical changes and if the government is properly responsive, it will adjust as those things become more institutionalized and are like more widespread, but it doesn't have to be responsive to trends or to uh, short-term concepts that won't last long-term and have the potential for causing damage to the government and how it actually functions and takes care of us long-term. So those are things I think about and I'm concerned with, but I don't think those are topics that are addressed amongst the people who are actually making these decisions. They, they're not necessarily concerned with what are the long-term ramifications to the actual government structure of the actions and the decisions that I'm taking in order to deliver on a promise that I made in order to get elected that was a bit over the top and maybe was something that I should not have pushed as a thing I promised to deliver on. Um, and this might be one of those, right? This could be one of those things where... Um, there's a good chance, like it almost happened just recently and there's a chance it can happen again. What? Like December 3rd or December 8th. I, I, 
I now feel like I'm mixing up the number for the day, but the government still could shut down again. Like that, we now have a, a small, like kind of a continuing resolution in order to pay for the things that we're supposed to. Um, but we're going to still be looking at that again in a very short order where these concepts that are trying to be pushed through as a part of the budget are potentially holding up other legislation because it's a, it's a must pass thing. And then others are saying it's a thing I can't let through. And so it ends up causing everything to slow down and stop instead of allowing the things that we do agree to and, and have agreed to and are used to, uh, are used to seeing in place from being able to even, even run through. It's just kind of crazy that that's the case. How much value do you think a person would have for a college degree uh, that they, they didn't have to pay for. If they put the work into it, does it still hold value or is it, is it hold less value because they didn't have to put any personal uh, financial risk towards that, towards that degree? It's an important thought. Do we think that people might choose different degrees if they had no pressure, no stress to choose a degree that would for sure make them enough money to pay back those student loans. Do people make decisions like that when they're 18 or 19 years old about which degree they are going to pursue amongst their interests because they know it will for sure land them a career that can actually pay back the student debt that they take on? Do we think that's actually a factor? I'm, I'm honestly asking because I had many conversations with uh, my son, as he went off to college, about the options available to him, his interests that he had. And he has the benefit of using my Montgomery GI Bill, well, post-9-11 GI Bill. So his debt is going to be very low. So he could have honestly taken on a, a career path that didn't necessarily have prospects for having a really high-paying career uh, because he very likely will have little to no debt when he finishes his college degree. So along those same veins, will he then value that degree less personally because he didn't have to pay for it? He didn't have to put that money on the line and actually like make a take a risk because of the like trying to get a degree. And I guess the real question isn't like, will that person specifically, like my son, or will most people? Like we would have to generalize it a little bit to decide whether or not it's the right kind of a decision to make. Because I can tell you, I could talk to my son. I can make sure that uh, he understands the impact and the value and, and what's going on with it. And that might not necessarily be the case for everyone. Although, uh, you know, we all hope that it would be. Uh, but for those who know me, like I'm, I'm a Marine and, and involved in education for the Marine Corps right now and have a, uh, a lot of experience in the, the like, or at least not really experience, but a lot of education and, and time spent learning and thinking about uh, politics and government. But I can't help but wonder about these kinds of things. And now, now I did kind of lose that train of thought. I'll get it back in a second, I promise. Let me take a little drink here real quick.
anybody who wants to join at any time, I definitely want to talk about talk about college and the idea of providing free college to all citizens when they graduate high school, go straight to college, wherever you want to go to, as long as it falls into these parameters, probably what we would set forth up to this certain amount. Probably be a lot like the way Marine Corps tuition assistance works. Feel free to join me. I definitely want to talk with somebody about this. If anybody listening is new to wisdom and doesn't know how, uh, it's not like others where you get pulled up by the person talking. Anybody listening can tap that plus sign and, and join right in the conversation. So if you have an idea about this or you have a concept about this, uh, personal position on it, experience with college, experience with student loans, uh, feel free to join in and, and talk about it. Love to talk to someone who teaches at or, um, you know, is a, is a member of staff and faculty within a, uh, a university and, and what they think would happen potentially to, to the enrollment within that university if they were to kind of enact this kind of a program where anybody could then attend, uh, could afford to attend a university I'm now remembering that what it was I was going to say when I kind of got a little distracted and, and lost my train of thought was that in the Marine Corps, we have a phrase and I was going to talk about what the phrase was, but now I can't remember where it even started, but I do know that's what it was. So when I go back to it, if I come back to that area, I'm sure it'll jump back in my mind. Um, so I'm just going through and kind of looking at who's here, who's potentially listening and has listened or has recently joined us. If you'd like to join in and join the conversation talking about colleges and how that, um, the idea of completely free college for uh, Americans graduating from high school, how that would affect everything, definitely love to talk about it. So one aspect of this I was just thinking about, I know that a lot of, I won't say a lot, but there are quite a few Marines that join the Marine Corps when they're sitting down with their recruiter and talking about the benefits and, and weighing their choices as they're about to graduate from high school. Quite a few people, if I asked them over the next couple of days, would say a part of why they joined was an opportunity to be able to attend college, right? So the Marine Corps does have a program called Tuition Assistance where you can attend classes working towards a degree. And as long as you have a degree plan, it can be for an associates. It can be for a bachelor's program. It can be for master's degree. It can be for your doctorate. It just has to be that you're progressing. So once I got my bachelor's degree, I couldn't go and use tuition assistance to get another bachelor's degree, but I was able to use it to then work on my master's. It doesn't cover because each the way that the tuition assistance program works is it does, like I said, with what maybe what would be the, the free college for all program. Uh, it's going to have like a maximum credit, uh, like a, a semester hour cost that you can put in. So if it's if it's low enough to pay for a bachelor's degree, that's probably where it would be sitting, like pay for the average state university's bachelor's degree programs. 
but then wouldn't be enough to pay for higher, like uh, graduate level programs like master's or doctorate. So you'd be able to use it to then pay portions of it, but then you still have to pay the rest out of pocket. So that's where I picked up my student loan debt because I got my bachelor's degree entirely for free through the, through tuition assistance. Uh, but then got my master's degree using tuition assistance, but still had to pay the difference through um, taking out FAFSA loans, uh, federal financial aid. And so I wonder what kind of impact that would have on recruiting for the Marine Corps. Like you now can no longer like use that as a tool to kind of talk to someone who potentially would want to join, but is not really sure, but is interested in going to college as well. And you can say, Hey, look, like there'd be an option here for you to be able to join the Marine Corps, join the army, whatever. And, and then use that service as a way to help pay for your college. Cause now everybody gets college. Everybody can go to college. So then like post nine 11 GI bill, big part of what that does is provides the ability for people to go to college, pay for it, pay for it. Right. But so now if that's a thing that's just already done for everybody, where's the incentive to do that kind of thing, to have that available for those people who are serving the country. We lose that. We lose that as a, as an incentive. And we were just talking today. I actually have open on my computer, like a thing I need to handle tomorrow. It'll probably have to be in the afternoon. Cause I have a, a just slam packed morning. It has to be in the afternoon that I go over this document that is how do we incentivize for Marines to reenlist because right now retention rates for it are, are not great. So it's like, Hey, Marines aren't sticking around in the fields that I'm in uh, because there's more enticing options in the civilian sector or um, the Marine Corps is changing away from what's going on in conflicts in the world to a more, uh, more garrison t- training time and a lot of people just don't like that so they're wanting to leave uh, so whatever the reasons are and i'll have to read through this analysis of what's going on with it they're looking for ways to try to incentivize sticking around and um, i did get i got my master's degree in like organizational change leadership and uh, organizational leadership and this is one of those topics this is um, talent management and retention these are all things that they talk about and having programs that actually help people want to stay a part of your organization. So I think I can probably provide some decent input coming back to that. But college like concepts was definitely one that we just talked about today. I was talking about it with some of my academics team. And one thing that was mentioned was say you reenlist and you want to stick around for an extra four years, keep doing the job that you're doing. uh, You could get a year off, like say you're going to reenlist for four, one out of those four years. So you really only got to do three years continuing to contribute to your job. You could spend a year just going to school, get a, you could get your, you know, get those classes done. You could complete an associates if, if you could get it all done in that amount of time um, or work on a technical certification, like whatever it would be, you could incentivize some education on it. And again, now we would lose out on that potential to have people stick around if, well, yeah, but I already did that before I joined because now people would probably not join without taking advantage of that free college. That's just my thought. Do you think people still would though? Like there's plenty of people who serve to serve and don't want to continue school. Uh, couldn't stand high school anyways. Why would you go to college? Like there's those, those definitely a lot of those people around who just couldn't see the idea of continuing on a, on a college, like on an education path. Um, anybody else out there like that? I thought about going to college, but decided to join the Marine Corps right out of high school and, felt like that was you know the right way to go for me at the time I felt like 
I was super concerned with the the student debt I might take on. Like I, I, I was barely struggling to survive. Like, do I really want to be taking on giant amounts of student loans with very little uh, support system to ensure that I had a fallback plan? Cause I, I wouldn't have been able to, I would have been at college and college would have been it. And I would be on my own and taking on debt. And it just was, was scary. Right. And so um, I was weighing out other options and joining the Marine Corps and um, going about my, uh, you know, self-improvement plan, if you want to call it that from, uh, from that point forward was, was going about it this way. And it, it's obviously now, I mean, I'm, I'm where I am, which I feel I'm quite successful. I've, I'm definitely at a place where I feel like I've done good. And I feel happy about the, the life I've made from myself and my family. But how many people would now make that choice instead of saying, I, I need to kind of like balance these out. I wouldn't have had that fear. I would have had no concerns for the debt and it would have just been a concern over like, what's the, the right course for me forward. And, you know, you can never go back and tell yourself what decisions you would make, but I, I do honestly like very heavily believe I probably would have just went to a college. I would have went to college. I would have probably studied journalism. Uh, I visited the university of Washington twice during high school with my journalism team and really loved being a part of uh, reporting and, and journalism. And, and then look at what I'm doing now. Like I'm having talks and being a part of a podcast and passing information on to people who want to listen and want to talk. And I can't help but think that that's, you know, very much along the same lines I would have gone through if I had stuck to like a journalism or a, a performance based, like kind of activity as a part of my career. I, I was in theater a lot in high school and I just feel like I still would have probably went to college if there was not the, the risk of taking on student debt. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's definitely a different thing. It's definitely something worth talking about if someone wants to join in. Anybody out there still listening or is this just like pastors? I see we're up to 51. Oh, wait, is that 51? Yep. 51 people who passed through. Anybody in there still still hanging out, still listening? Uh, Nina Perez just joined maybe. Pam Lester. Robert Goldsmith. Let's see. More into financial, your financial professional. Actually, we just had um, on the podcast that comes out this Friday, this Friday at noon Pacific Standard Time, our podcast Balanced Exchange. We had on two like uh, financial professionals to talk about um, finance and uh, capitalism and like the U.S. market and how it's doing today and what that really means for uh, for government and. And I specifically asked, you know, in there too, to talk a little bit about how um, the economy and the market and, you know, how, like what your economy is made of and how it works, uh, how that affects the ability for uh, projection of military power for, for the government if they needed to do so. Does that affect that? Say we go into like a state of total war similar to World War II and we have to ramp up production for military stuff in order to do this kind of that kind of a total war. Like, what's the potential there? Do we still feel like the market could support that? Is it, is there production facilities? Is there these, all these kinds of things? And it was really amazing. So one, like, I love talking about that stuff and had that, that part of the conversation with them, but they talked about uh, the actual market. They talked about options and, and all like, honestly, I am a total noob when it comes to like actually investing and getting into finances and, I had to tell him, I was like, during this session, like I'm in, I'm in learn mode, learn mode. You 100% are going to be teaching me stuff. So when, 
when you start explaining something, if you feel like there's a different someone who doesn't know my finances, like if you felt like you were talking to a 10 year old or something, explain to me that way. Cause I honestly do not know much about what it is that they did every day. And it'd be really cool to uh, talk with you about specifically how the financial market would respond to something like this, where, uh, college is, is completely paid for. Would it still benefit? Would it benefit society? Because now we have more, a more educated workforce. We have people who are able to attend college and fill in a lot of these jobs that are sitting around waiting. Are those the jobs that aren't being filled? Are we like, are we actually short people who are working in robotics and working in engineering? Um, are we short lawyers? Are we short people who need to go and get a, a degree from a university? Um, or are we short labor force? Are we short people to deliver packages? Are we short people to work at, um, at docks and, and, That'd be a fun talk. Anybody else who is actually listening still have, um, or also have experience with finances or with uh, markets or financial management in finance or banking? Good time to join right now. Brianna Rodriguez just hit you with a follow if you wanted to join in and talk about uh, skills from their descriptions there. Normally kind of look at those if I have a chance while I'm rolling in a talk, but doing a while you're driving is a little bit crazy, but I can at least kind of quick at a glance see a couple there, but I see that you just, just joined in and was wondering if you'd want to talk about the idea of free college and how that might affect society and finances and how people look at, at the country and at our culture. So brought forth a few things I think would be interesting. Uh, a degree. So we go to the point where you need a high school diploma to get a job in most even just uh, basic work, like in, in the workforce, pretty much anywhere, most of those positions are requiring either a high school graduation certificate, like you actually graduated from a high school, or you've got um, a graduate uh, equivalency diploma, so a GED. So you have to kind of prove that you've accomplished that level of learning and that level of work, dedicated yourself to something long enough to get that equivalent, right? So something equivalent to standard 12 year, 13 years of kindergarten. So as we push this program forward, say it goes through and everyone has the ability to go to college does a bachelor's degree become that baseline? And most workforces would require people to have gone through four additional years, university schooling, accomplish some kind of a bachelor's degree before 
really hiring anybody to do some of those jobs. Do we think that would happen? I, I tend to think probably not. A lot of the workforce type jobs I'm thinking of, those aren't necessarily uh, benefit added to the ability to actually accomplish your tasks. So most businesses would be smart enough about that to say that's not really a requirement, especially right now. Like if we're in a workforce shortage, we can't find enough people to do the jobs, let alone like need to find people who are have higher qualifications requirements. I, I don't see that going that way. I think there's still kind of a, a line in there, but it would have an opportunity to it, do a better job educating more people who might not have had that chance that to work in robotic sections that are taking over lots of other jobs, right? So lots of jobs out there are moving towards more technical side, replacing um, less technical jobs with robots or mech, like automation uh, in some way is replacing a lot of actual manual jobs. And someone then just needs to maintain those, those robots or those computer systems that automate some of the stuff that's getting done. So then we'd be able to educate a larger workforce at a, at a higher education level in order to meet those requirements for uh, designing and maintaining and, and upgrading all of these robotic or automated systems. So that's, that could be a benefit, right? That, that's where we would potentially see manufacturing labor force shortfalls in the near future is as more and more of the labor force transitions to automation and robots, we would need more and more people who can actually design and maintain those robots i think so i mean there, there's there's a good benefit to it that could potentially happen you'd be able to meet that force requirement a little bit easier anybody see any other benefits i keep i keep kind of coming to negatives in my head for some reason all i all i think about is like the loss of the value of that and the loss of concern over uh, the effort put forth towards actually accomplishing something and like feeling like i put i put that into it and i i worked for it but I'm also concerned with the fact that prices for college have continued to go up and continue to go up at a, at a crazy fast rate, way, way, way faster of an increase in cost than an increase in the value of the education is, is showing. Uh, wages associated with those degrees is definitely not increasing at the same rate as the cost of obtaining that degree. So if it could be cost offset somehow or maybe better regulated to match the market so that you can't charge a certain amount for a tuition for a degree that has no possible way of matching with the economy and how the market value of that skill set is, is paid. Like if they're not compensated in a way they could possibly even pay for that degree in a reasonable amount of time that the university couldn't charge that, that could be a cool way to regulate it rather than just handing out tuition to make sure that people can get degrees that they may or may not even be able to use in a workforce that's changing rapidly right now. All right, well, that was my talk. We talked a little bit about ideas associated to this concept of free college for all. Uh, did not have anybody join me for a talk, so that does make me a little bit sad. Sometimes it seems like it's my drives home that don't actually end up having anybody talk, but I think I've had it both directions where um, on the way into work, nobody joined, and now I think on the way home, this might be the first one where no one's joined me for a talk. So it is a little bit later. It might be a little bit harder for people to be able to join this late in the evening. So I understand and I appreciate your time. Thank you for those who decided to come by and listen. And we'll talk to you later.